ISU neighbors, the semi-regulars of RSVP. They, they are. They're fr- frequently edited out. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 100 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Les. Tonight, we're talking about using the good stuff. But first, let me introduce my guest. My guest tonight is Andy, friend of the show and co-host of Erasable. Um, really thankful to have you here tonight, Andy, and having this conversation with me. What? Yeah. Is... Hey, Les. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's I'm a little punchy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the uh, stationery in your life right now? What am I using? Um, so I've been uh, rearranging my uh, my office. I got some <laughs> some big bookshelves for the back, and I just found something that I completely forgot that I had, which was a. Bob Slate Steno notepad notebook. Ooh, that's yeah, that's hard. I, just woof. Good yeah, stuff. Johnny um, Johnny picked this up for me one of his one of his trips to to Bob Slate and to and to visit you. Um, and it's just that one with the like kind of the yellow paper and the mm. you know the dividing line down the middle. And I have uh, a high class golden sword, which is <laughs> one of those Daiso pencils that like cost a dollar fifty for four of them, and they're so good. Mm. Um, using a 2B one of those, and then I also have a, um, a Uniball Signo uh, or Sino, depending on who you are, how you pronounce it. Um, I really love the the like blue the blue black ones. Uh, this mm, is like that yeah. dark dark bluey gray one. It's the 0.5 um, millimeter tip. So that's what I have in front of me. All right, sounds like some some good stuff there. I'm jealous of the Bob Bob Slate notebook. I don't make them anymore. Uh, may it rest in peace. I yeah. Know. Did so Bob sad. Slate closed, right? They didn't. Uh well, at oh. least the last time I was in Cambridge, they were still open. It's been it's been a minute. Um who did I met I met someone in Cambridge and it was still it was still open. Um but they moved from their old location to a new location because they had mm. flooding issues and it's much smaller. They got rid of a lot of like the it's still cramped, but it's not as cramped as it was. Um, yeah. So it's a little different, uh, but yeah, they the uh, manufacturer that made their notebooks went out of business. Mm. So that's a bummer because it was they yeah. they were great notebooks. I miss them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in my world, um, so I started doing a mind dump journal every night after work, and I like to keep those small. I don't want them to take up a lot of space. I don't want to look at it all that much because it's just like dumping my mind onto paper all the garbage that happened during yeah. the day which i'm filling up far less now than i used to um but i'm using a field notes and i just pulled it kind of randomly off my i've got this little box on a shelf i pulled yeah. it kind of randomly and it's a two rivers um mm. and it's one that's got a little piggy on the back and it says july 4th on the front but i i dig the little pig yeah. on the back i'm gonna have to get what, a picture of that what, what color is that stock this well, the there were stock. there were four different cover stocks. I that's think. right, that's right. Yeah, and this one is white, white with yeah. blue and gray. It's pretty yeah. classy Love looking. Love the two rivers. Yeah, that was it. Was one of my favorites. Yeah, um, but it's got yeah. that letterpress cover. I would like to get a cut of a pig like that for my for my for my shop. Um, <laughs> so I've been I've been writing in that and and just kind of noodling around with the tail end of a Blackwing heiress sent to me by Lisa S. She listens to the show and we we converse every now and then. I've also been uh, I've been carrying around in my in my 
flannel pocket uh, Jinhao eighty six, and that's been oh, yeah. that's been some fan. It's been working really nice for me. Um, yeah, you know, it's like a now is that Blackwing era's is that Blackwing the one that like looks like it was the one from the thirties? Yes, yeah, that Blackwing era's cool. Yeah, yeah, because they've done two. They did that one, and they had one that looks like a Palomino. I I really like the Blackwing era's collection. Like it seems like they're trying to showcase some history rather than just like one more collab with some yeah brand or whatever. Yeah, I am so out of the loop with when it comes to Blackwing because I haven't really bought any. Um, yeah, a couple of people have sent me some really, really like here and there, like a couple of nice ones. I got the Corita. Is that the what what the last one was called with the oh the um yeah the Corita Kent one Car- yeah, yeah yeah um and I didn't when I just looked at it online I didn't really like it all that much but yeah. in hand I actually really like the white ferrule on it it's super yeah. nice um and then the paint It'll be good to add to the Hackwing collection indeed yeah I was thinking <laughs> that, that this morning and I was also thinking how good that would look with the scrawler box. Or is it scribbler oh, box yeah. or scrawler box? That teal, mm-hmm. that teal eraser. How good that would look in it with that white ferrule. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's I, a sharp. Combo. I don't usually, I don't usually care about the Blackwing um, notebooks that much, but mm. the one that they made for the Karita Kent with the rainbow like splashes on that looks really good. I've seen mm. a couple in person. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. That um, I don't know what do you want to call it art, art installation that that. Yeah. Uh, that art piece because it's not like on a gas tower right it is uh... it is and i had to actually at a strange occurrence i went and picked up a used late 90s early 2000s um photocopier (laughs) Um, Uh someone was getting rid of a a tabletop photocopier it was much larger than i expected it to be and i don't know what i was thinking because it prints on 11 by 17 paper so i knew i should have known it was going to be huge but it's designed to it doesn't have its own base. It just sits on a tabletop. And so yeah. I went down to the South Shore to pick this thing up. And I drive a tiny, ancient Volkswagen Rabbit. And, <laughs> uh-huh. and so I, I pulled into their driveway and this guy looked at me. He's like, is it going to fit? I was uh... like, it's so much. It's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. <laughs> uh, I was like, all right. And, and it did. It fit It fit fine. It, it fit perfectly in the trunk area with the seats down. Um, but was when, this for um, work? Oh, no. I got it for myself for zine making <laughs> and, and uh, transferring images to wood and linoleum for uh, carving. I did fantastic. think about taking it to work just because it yeah. was so big, but then I didn't want to have one of my coworkers to help me carry it in and have to tell them. <laughs> I was like, so I got this free photocopier and have them look at me like I was a nutbag. <laughs> um, as is my, my partner was looking at me like, what were you? This is huge. What were you thinking? Yeah, she already knows you're a nutbag. <laughs> she does. She knows I'm insane. So so anyway, but it makes beautiful prints. It does like really, really great prints, um, which is what I was looking for it to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, nice. <laughs> the whole point of that story, welcome to RSVP, um, <laughs> is that on my way back, I was like, oh, hey, there's <laughs> there's that gas tower <laughs> with the Corinna Kent art. Um, so yeah, so I, I uh, was... remembered to look at it a little more closely this time and it needs to be cleaned and repainted desperately it's very faded um and looks kind of terrible um but you know it's been there for who knows how long at this point for a long time yeah oh yeah but anyway that is an excellent 
actually, that's a terrible segue into the main topic <laughs> about using uh-huh. the good stuff. Um, so what I've kind of been doing with the reboot of RSBP is inviting people on to have conversations, identical sort of conversations with using the same sort of framework. So it's the same questions with every person. And what's great for me is I get to hear everyone's version of the story before they get to hear the shows from other people. Um, Mm. So what I'm interested in hearing, just to get us started, do you have any stories from your past about using the good stuff? Like, you know, like, was there something that got you into using something in particular? Or do you have a story about not using the good stuff that has kind of triggered you into thinking, yeah, I need to use this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. My first, the first like journal that I ever like purchased that like specifically because it was like nice was at, uh, do you remember Borders? Did you ever have a Borders? Oh, bookstore? yes. Yes, I spent many, I, many hours in Borders. Uh, love Borders. Um, they had this really beautiful sort of like teal um, silk covered journal and I really loved it and it was like, on clearance or something and I bought it and I, it just like sat there for years just because like, I'm Mm. sure, I'm sure the same story among a lot of people, like this is too nice. Like I can't write anything good enough to put in here. And, um, at some point I, uh, like I was, I was working on a short story. I was in college. Um, and I was, I was writing it on my computer and I I was like, you know what? I want to like start writing this again in, in this, this like silk notebook. So I, I just like went for it and just tr- kind of like sat down and transcribed um, like the first uh, several pages of the short story, like into the, like into the notebook as I went. And mm. I was, as I was going, I was just sort of like got in a flow state and I wasn't really thinking about um, uh, just how nice it was and ruining it. And I was just kind of like, you know, crossing out and re-editing and I was kind of editing as I went. And by the time I got done with like, you know, 10 pages or so, I was like, you know what? Like, that wasn't so bad. Like the, the world did not explode. I put something that's kind of sh- into this. Can I say that? Shoot. <laughs> I'm going to have to. <laughs> Sorry. It. It's all right. Typewriter bell. <laughs> um, I, something that's kind of bad <laughs> in, into this notebook. And you know what? Like it's, it's, it's fine. And so that, that kind of, I think kind of set me on a course of being okay with using the good stuff. Um, I like after that, I bought a few moleskins and back at that, back in that day, like, you know, moleskins were still like, pretty primo at least it was in fort wayne indiana and uh i i don't know i still have stuff that i'm just like oh i don't know i don't know what to put what to put in there i'm saving it for something but at this point it's mostly just volume of stuff because i have so many notebooks which i (laughs) which i think we can talk about later and pencils and (laughs) things it's less about like not using it because it's the good stuff and and more about like a sable thing right like i just i just probably never get to it (laughs) so but I also am a hoarder, so I can't get rid of it. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of have that going on, too. I've got, you know, like, I think there are 30 composition notebooks on a shelf mm. next to me. I've got a yeah. stack of confidants uh, sitting next to me on a shelf. Uh, let's not talk I about have... sketchbooks. <laughs> <laughs> I bought, uh, this is, 
I shouldn't even admit to this. Um, after when CW Pencils was closing, I bought four different Emilio Braga notebooks because oh. I love the way they look. And I'm just, I'll probably never use them and I feel bad <laughs> for doing that, but they're just so gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I've done, like when I've gotten so sable on pencils that it's just is ridiculous. Mm. I yeah. box up all of the pencils that are decent, but I know I'm not going to use. And yeah. I used to donate them to my mom's school or my brother's classroom. Um, now I just take them to work with me. And the kids, like, yeah. they'll, like, be like, this pencil's different. It's like, yeah, this is like <laughs> yep. a $5 pencil you're holding, but I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> but they enjoy it. So it's, like, you know, it's it's cool to, like – have kids like recognize like this pencil is different and I like it. And I'm like, you are a future stationary nut. <laughs> welcome. I, welcome to the club. Although yeah. if I, if I do that with middle school kids, they look at me like I'm nuts and then promptly tell me that the pencil sucks. Uh huh. Cause that's a middle school yeah. kid. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. um, so, so, what do you think really triggered your interest in, in using the good stuff? You had that, that story about, you know, you had that journal that you set aside and finally you started using it. Was that the trigger for you? I think that just sort of like was a good demonstration of like, you know what, like nothing's going to explode. Like this journal is not suddenly like worthless to me personally, because it now has some just like junk that I wrote in it. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I still, I still have some tendencies. Like, you know, we did an episode of Erasable about like marginalia and writing in your in your book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, I still just have a problem writing in my book and kind of like messing it, messing it up. And like, I guess that's kind of like the good stuff, right? Like, yeah, you know, I might want to give that to somebody, or maybe my thoughts aren't good enough to like be in this book. Um, mm. So I feel like I still have some of those tendencies, but I, I feel a lot better about using using the nice notebooks, right? Yeah, and. I, it also, I mean, for me, after I started to like really get into like reviewing stationery for like pencil things, then later for wood clinched, I, um, I, you know, I would, I would get a notebook to try out or a pencil to try out and I would use like one page of this fancy brand, brand new notebook. Like when, when I got my first Baron Fake Confidant, when that came out, I was like, oh, this is so good. And I, I used, you know, the first couple of pages to review to review it and just kind of broke it in, right? Like it's, it's no longer sort of like this pristine, like scary, intimidating blank canvas. It's now mm-hmm. something that is, has been used. Yeah. And even though I might, might put it back on the shelf and never pick it up again, like it's still, you know, it's still ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of marginalia, um, one of the things that has broken my aversion to writing in books is buying used books. Um, mm. So like I yeah. will go, onto Amazon and I will find the cheapest book on there that's used for whatever it is I'm, I'm trying to, to, to read. Uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll look for one that has writing <laughs> in it. Yeah. And there's something really interesting about getting a book that has other people's notes in it. It's sort of like, here's a communication from someone that I've never met. And it's just kind of cool. Um, yeah. Oh Yeah. I love I love seeing it and like getting something from the library or buying an old book and seeing that stuff and I I think part of it is I I'm just like you know what I I don't have any good thoughts like nobody wants mm. to pick this up someday later and see what I have to say yeah uh, and I know that that's not that's not true that's not kind of what it what it's about but it's it's definitely like a semi intrusive thought that runs through my head no I get that I um yeah 
I'm, I'm debating whether or not I want to share this story on, on RSVP. <laughs> oh it's a little bit of a tangent. One of the most romantic gifts I ever got from someone that I was dating, we, we were dating long distance, and she sent me a copy of Jeanette Winterson's Gut Symmetries that she had purchased specifically to read and hmm. write marginalia to me about interesting the parts of the novel that were were great um so it was one of like it was like really intense um and yeah. also really romantic it's like she like wrote to me in in this book and it's also like so intimidating because i'm like yo i'm not this smart um <laughs> but it was like it was one of those things it's like okay no like now i really like marginalia um but anyway yeah. but I think I'll leave that in. I That's, think that was that was yeah. clean enough that I can leave it in. But if you've ever read Gut Symmetries, <laughs> um, I have not, but I want to now. You should. <laughs> it's an excellent, okay. excellent book. If you enjoy Jeanette Winterson and and her yeah. style of writing, um, which I, I would recommend for most people, she's got a very intriguing and interesting uh, way of writing. But hmm. it's an intense novel, so yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm familiar with her, but I will. Um, oh, I'm you looking are... at her her Amazon page right now. I am both oh, sorry she wrote... and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> she, wait, what is this? There's an there's an edition of Nightwood by Juna Barnes that she redid or contributed to or something. Mm, I don't, I don't know. know. Interesting. I'll I'll look this up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So great novel, great author. Um, but going back to our our topic. So what do you think stopped yeah. you? I mean, you kind of you've kind of touched upon it um, yeah. in in what you've been exploring that you know not feeling you were good enough stopped you. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, just like some imposter syndrome, or like I, I think it's that combined with like let's be honest, like a little bit of like a fetishization of <laughs> of stationery, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's this is like this is an object of art. Like this is not something like I have purchased so many pencils and notebooks and things that I purchased specifically because I just love the craft of it or I want to support a business or something. Um, I have so many bear and fig confidants that I will never use, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I just think they're cool. And uh, it's, so it's a little bit of that. Um, it's a little bit of, yeah, for sure. Like not feeling like I'm like have something interesting to say or good enough. Um, and and I think a little bit also of just like, hey, this is this is like I, I think we'll talk about collecting here in a little bit, but like this this is something that I you know, I want to kind of maintain like a little bit of a collection and show this off a little bit. Like I'm I'm definitely not um immune to I mean, I, I would say I'm much more of a hoarder than I am a collector, but I do have <laughs> like some things in my collection. Most mostly field notes related when it comes to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So why do you think it's important to use the good stuff? That's a good question. I mean, on one hand, it's important because that's what it's for, right? Like mm-hmm. you're otherwise you're just buying like you know, people collect Funko Pops or yeah. you know, uh shoes and they leave it in the box or in the case and like that's that's not what they're for. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's a whole I don't want to I don't want to disc collectors because that people get joy out of that and i think that you know people are entitled to to their joy um but but for sure like i I think that's that's part of it another another thing is is you don't you don't want to encourage the idea that like 
the thing that comes out of your head onto paper or through a pencil or whatever needs to be perfect, right? Like it's, mm. it's like, it, it's, it's, it needs to like come out like on its way to perfect on its way to good. The first draft of anything is just not, <laughs> not good. Yeah. And that's, that's what you do with, uh, with pencil and paper is like you, you make your first draft and yeah. I mean, for example, and I, I also like have always been a little bit, like I, I pretty terrible handwriting, okay. and I, I like to blame it on being left-handed, but I think it's mostly because I'm impatient. Like I just write fast, <laughs> yeah. and a little bit too because, like, hey, I'm a fancy pants stationary podcaster, and my handwriting is awful. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there, there's definitely like that, that portion of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever had any of your stationary stuff like a pen go bad or dry out or just you know? Yeah, I mean, I've had uh, I've had some erasers just uh, oxidize and just sort of like turn hard. Nothing makes you feel more old than like pencils that you bought <laughs> oxidizing, <laughs> because you usually that's just something that happens to like antique pencils, right? But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's part of it. I've I've definitely had like some some faded uh, journal covers, book covers. Um, I have absolutely like ruined, not ruined, but like screwed up some fountain pens because I let the like ink in the bladder dry up and mm. just sort of like crust. Yeah. Um, Johnny keeps telling me, he's like, if you just want to send that to me, I can work on it and get that out of there. I was like, you just want something to fiddle with. It's <laughs> probably, but he could probably yeah, fix but, it. Uh, I know he could. He's so handy like that. So I, yeah, I've sent him a couple um, Esther books with like just a really crusty bladder. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I've definitely had that happen. Just like let something just sit long enough. And part of it is because I I use I like to try out a little bit of a lot of different things. So yeah. it's rare for me to like really go back to something over and over again. I'm sure I'm sure you have this this issue sometimes too, right? Like oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think that's part of part of the difficulty in being a reviewer, right? Is yeah. that Yep. You you get something in to review it. You do the review. You might use a page or two, or you know, like sometimes I force myself to use something for a week. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to get away from doing so many stationary reviews as I used to, and and focus more back on art materials, like I yeah. initially yep. started doing. Um. So like I've got like a review of like this rubber carving material that I need to finish writing and and post. Um. But like it's different when you're doing art materials because you actually you have to use it. You to have write, to use it, yeah. yeah. Like I can't write a review of this carving material unless I actually carve it up, right? <laughs> oh, it looks beautiful. That, it looks that rubber is, it is a very nice so lovely, hand. like yeah, pristine. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, so you have to do that. But where with like a pencil, you might be able to use like you know three or four points to really understand yeah. how the pencil works. Or, you know, if it's a black wing, you know how it's going to work because you've used the same core (laughs) over and over and over again. The only thing that's changing is the exterior. And do you like it or do you not like it? And that's that's the whole review. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, the same thing with all of the the notebooks that I've collected. I think think at some point when in terms of like hoarding stuff. um, Yeah. I'm probably going to have, like, I do use composition notebooks. I chewed through a stack of them in the pandemic. I filled like a dozen of them um, mm. over 2021. Um, have you, have you watched the show? I think it's on, um, I think it's on HBO Max. It's called Work in Progress. Have you mm, seen the show? No. 
It's um, it's really good. It's about and short tangent. Promise it's relevant here at the end. But it's about a uh, a uh, lesbian living in Chicago, a Gen X lesbian. She has eight, she has OCD and she records just compulsively all of her thoughts in um, uh, composition notebooks. Ooh. And I she she has like this closet that's full of bins of composition notebooks from when she's from going back from when she was a child. And I just saw all those comp books and I was like, this. <laughs> I wonder if Les has one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. When it comes to stationary collecting versus using. Why do you think there seems to be such a deep divide between the two groups of people? Oh man, such a divide. Um, I, who I think some of it is just like a, I mean, it's, it's economic, right? Like some of it is the, the approach to it. Um, it's, it's interesting because yeah, it's like people, some people see it as an investment, right? Like I'm going to go, right. I'm going to collect these field notes because someday they're going to be a butcher orange and be worth like $800 a pack. And then somebody else is just like, Oh, orange, cool. And they open it and start scribbling. And one peer, one person is just sort of like horrified that somebody would pay $800 for like some little notebooks. And this other person is horrified because this person just ruined 800, threw away $800 by opening it and using it. It's, it's such a, it's such a just a difference, I think, in um, in just approach and viewpoint of these things, and and a little bit. I mean, some of it is privilege as well, right? Like, there's yeah, not a lot of people can afford a fancy pants like like old back issue of Field Notes, and they just like would never would never even get to the point where that was like, mm. you know, they would they would they would never spend hundreds of dollars on a notebook, and they because they can't, right? Like, and some people right. have that that money to burn or they just like are dedicated more toward it toward it. So I think, I think absolutely there's just like some amount of privilege that's part of it. Um, just in like the collector's mindset and like investing in your future, which is, which is a whole thing. Um, people who are into like cryptocurrencies and NFTs are like kind of the same way. Uh, such a, that's a, that's can of Yeah. Yeah. If you, if ever you want to talk about that stuff, let me know. I have some thoughts. <laughs> I I don't know no, enough about it. I know some of my friends have made some pretty decent money on NFTs with their artwork. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go and there. It, cause... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could we could spend yeah. an hour talking about like what what are they? Is it a scam? Isn't it isn't it a scam? Is it not? Is it? Yeah. All of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I so I I I am a. I am a sort of reluctant collector. Like I've sort of accidentally started these collections. Um, I have a bunch of confidants. I have a, I have all of the, um, at least, at least two of every field notes volumes or yeah, volumes, um, notebooks. I have, I think every field notes going back to like America, the beautiful, um, mm. And and of a few a few before before that, and a, a lot of it is like I have accidentally started collecting these things, <laughs> mostly because I've been hoarding them, and now all of a sudden I have these like packets that I don't want to open. So I mm-hmm. sort of stumbled into it, but absolutely there's yeah like a a big divide just because like the basis of how they come to it is just so different. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the uh, interesting things before before I left Facebook and left a lot of the um, groups on Facebook. There were there was a group of people that were just taking older field notes, popping them into an envelope and sending them out to people. And mm-hmm. I wasn't really thinking about it. I was gifted an America the Beautiful. And this was yeah. quite a few years ago. And I just filled it. Um, yeah. 
And I'm sure there are people out there that are like, oh, my God, even a single now is <laughs> worth, like, this amount of money. And the same with, like, the two rivers. Like, I pulled it off the shelf and I'm like, after I, like, started writing it, I was like, you know, this is probably worth more if I sold it. And it's like, <sighs> I I struggle with that, too, a little bit, even though, like, I the minute – one of the things that I did with all of my field notes – so that I would use them and not like hold them, hold on to them was I would rip the, at one package open and immediately yeah. stuff it on my shelf. That was just my thing. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and now I haven't, I say I'm still sable on field notes. Um, and friends still sell, send me field notes and, and black wings yeah. and whatnot, even though I haven't bought any in ages, I have them coming. And you in. make your own sometimes. I do. I make, I make a lot of my own pocket notebooks and I make them at work. I make them with the kids. We stitch, we hand stitch them. We staple them, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, to me, they're not worth anything until I fill them up. And I, this is something that I've yeah. said again and again and again. Like to me, the worth of, of the pencil is how I'm using it. Like I mentioned in a previous episode that I've got a 211. And I just, it was one that I bought when it first came out. I just sharpened it up and started using it. And I've given a few away and I've got the stub of a 211 somewhere around the house. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> Dog might have used it as a chew toy. He's not really into that, <laughs> but maybe. Um, yeah. He's more likely to take something and, and hide it in couch cushions. Yeah. Um, or I might have taken it to work and one of the kids could have grabbed it. And it doesn't matter to me because someone's going to enjoy it and someone's going to use it. And then on occasion, I'll look at that, the stub of that 211 and be like, you know, I bet if I put this on eBay, someone would buy it for like 20 <laughs> bucks. Um, and that thought occasionally runs through my head, but it's so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I get more enjoyment out of using them. Yeah. Cause, of- cause you know what the, the basis of so many of the reasons some of these things are available was because they're just really good. Like the 211 was a really good pencil. Yeah. And like, you know, the original Blackwing was the reason it was so just loved and expensive and sought after is because it was a very good pencil. Mm. Um, the the orange, you know, maybe some some of the like orange field notes, like the Butcher Blue and the Butcher Orange, are, it's because they're old and they're such in limited quantity. But the reason they were in limited quantity is because people bought them all real quick because they're so good. They're yeah. so good looking. Yeah. So it's it. They're yeah. The reason they you know were originally worth so much is because yeah people people enjoyed them and yeah they're great. So yeah, yeah good for you for using that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I keep all of them when they're filled. I don't yeah. necessarily look yep. at them very much anymore. I used to go through them pretty regularly. I would at the end of a year, I go through the last year's worth. Um, but I haven't done that in, in quite a while. And over COVID, I pretty much stopped using pocket notebooks because they were, me too. They were my way of organizing my life. It was like, I use them for grocery lists. I use them for materials lists for projects. I use them, you know, just everything yeah. went into the pocket notebook and it was the way that I organized my life. And all of a sudden I, I wasn't leaving the house very often except once a week. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't need to have all those lists because, you know, if I went to the grocery store, I was like, all right, let's see if they have toilet paper this week because um, they didn't <laughs> yeah. for a while. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, I knew what I was picking up. Um, but, yeah, it just – I stopped using them. I just recently started using them again because now that I'm going back to – you know, I'm in a studio all the time. Now that I'm yeah. around other people and I have meetings to go to, I have to organize all of that. And I'm, I'm back to, you know, kind of bullet journaling it out in a pocket notebook. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to come full circle back to the things that used to work too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, this kind of brings me 
to the next question. How do you think when, when you're holding back from using the good stuff, I've always felt that there's some sort of link between that. Like I'm not worthy of, of the good stuff. And this is kind of combining the next two questions. When you have that not worthy feeling, how does that yeah. hold you back? If you're not <laughs> worthy to use the materials. How does that hold you back from your creative work, your art, writing, music, whatever? Yeah. Well, some of it I think is, you know how when you're like, you're on deadline for something and then all of a sudden your house is really clean. Yeah. <laughs> you just go through and you procrastinate. Like some of it, I think it's that, right? Like I'm giving myself permission not to like work on this project mm-hmm. or do this thing because I, I just don't have it like well thought out enough to put it into this nice notebook or to mm-hmm. use this pencil to do it. So I think there's some of that um, mm-hmm. for sure. That is definitely something I've noticed in myself, but I think also it's, it's, it's so, you know, I, I in 2019, I, I wrote a book um, with a um, colleague of mine. It's like about UX stuff. Um, and suddenly, like contractually, I had an obligation to write this thing. And I was just so freaked out by it. And I, I would, you know, write my first draft. And it was real bad, like to me, <laughs> it was just so bad. And it just, it just, I just realized that like, yes, every, every project has a crappy first draft. That's just like, yeah. You know, that's what NaNoWriMo is all about, right? Like just mm-hmm. getting that crappy first draft and then like doing something with it if you think it's worth it. And I think you, you once the people who understand like, you know, you got to start somewhere and even like, you know, your favorite author, uh, even Jeanette Winterson has probably a crappy first draft oh, on, no her, on her book. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Um, have, you, yeah. have you ever looked at any of the like – Neil Gaiman's first drafts. He sometimes posts oh, yeah. like some images from his notebooks because he starts it out in handwriting, like yeah. writing by hand <laughs> in a notebook. And like sometimes there's just like two words on a page. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like here's this guy that's like, how many books has he he authored? <laughs> how many comic books has he co-authored or given the idea for? And like, it's yeah. like sometimes it's just two words on a page and a bunch of scribbles that make no sense. Uh-huh. When the, when the good omens, uh, miniseries came out, I think he posted a couple like, like notes to himself and to Terry Pratchett that he was going to send along for the first good omens draft. That was just like borderline incoherent. Like yeah. just, yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. I love, I love that idea of like thinking, like rem- trying to remember that every first draft needs a lot of work. I think yeah. is, is helpful for everyone. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, but I occasionally dip into my, you know, uh, files of, of work that I've done that I've kind of just set aside. I've put it in a drawer to never, never think about again. Um, but Google Docs makes it real hard to just table something for life. <laughs> like back in the day <laughs> when you would like use a WordPress processor and you'd print that out, you had this like physical copy. You could literally put it in a drawer and never look at it again. Yeah. Google yep. Drive, it's like in my face. It's like, <laughs> so, hey, <laughs> hey, you, you should look at me. Um, yeah, and I so like oh. recently I went through and I I looked at some of my old drafts. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't as bad as I thought it was at the time. It needs a little work. Certainly, I've yeah. seen some self published stuff that is way worse than this. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you remember when Medium was like kind of a new thing and oh, everybody's? Yeah. It's, it was the new hotness. I I have several like. First and abandoned drafts and sitting in my medium like folder because mm. I was so excited to use it, but I was like, I don't think I have anything to say right now. Yeah. So yeah, I have several that I'm just probably never going to pick up, but I every couple of years I just love going back to and just looking at and be like, oh yeah, I remember I was real fired up about that. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we're kind of. I, I have a big rant real quick. I have a big yeah. rant about, um, I really, really hate Coke freestyle machines. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm with you, man. I'm I, with you. Yeah. They're just so, for so many reasons. We could have a whole after dark episode someday about this for all the reasons is bad. And I started writing it down <laughs> and, and I even had like sketches of like how terrible the UI is. And yeah, so, someday I'll get back to that, but my wife <laughs> not loves today. them. My wife loves them. Ugh. It's like, what is wrong with you? It's always terrible. Everything tastes the same, and it tastes like dirt. <laughs> it tastes like tastes like dirt, and it it a lot of places use it as their primary ice machine. So if you just want to put ice in your iced tea, you have to wait for some idiot kid to like make some peach diet sprite or whatever to like yeah. <laughs> to get to the ice. <laughs> yes, awful, awful, terrible, awful, uh, and they're always broken. Always. <laughs> they're Always. broken and sticky. Always. Oh, they're so nasty. They're so nasty. <laughs> I think I think my partner just yelled something from the other room because she heard me ranting about them. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, yeah. Chris. I'm with less on this. <laughs> nope. Bad. <laughs> um, all right. So we are. So let's, let's go back to that worthiness question. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the the whole idea of worthiness being tied into the use of good materials? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I I mean I'm having I have such I have such like conflicted feelings about imposter syndrome, right? Like I I feel imposter syndrome pretty profoundly. I think most people in like some sort of an ambiguous job do where there's some amount of creativity that's needed and also some amount of like, like ambiguity. But I also realized that, you know, imposter syndrome is, is, is a little bit of a privilege, right? Like you, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a white cis man in the workforce in tech and I have a lot of like sway and kind of power. And this is like a very self-enforced, like, almost like a self-enforced marginalization of myself. And I realize that there's a lot of people who are actually like people don't listen to what they say. People think they're a fraud and that's, that's not the case. So I, I have a lot of like conflicting feelings about this because I don't want to invalidate my own feelings. This is how I feel. That's just yeah. a statement of fact. But I, I think imposter syndrome is a big part of it. I think the idea that like, you know, so often with art and with creativity, we see the finished product, right? Like we, right. we see on the, we see Neil Gaiman's final draft and it's only until like after he becomes somebody who we're confident is a amazing writer, does he go back and share with us like his first drafts? I, I'm somebody who over the years have become just more confident in my writing. I'm a professional writer. I write a lot of things. Um, but when I started working on this book, I just like went back to that sort of feeling of unworthiness right. and of sort of an unreal, unrealistic expectation kind of placed on myself. And some of that is because like, you know, books, when you're writing for a book rather than a blog, it's a whole nother level of like canonization. Yep. And I, uh, I just kind of felt that come back. And I think that's the same for, for writing in good notebooks, right? Like this is, yeah. I paid $26 for this notebook and gosh darn it. Like it, I better put something good in here. Right. That was definitely a big thing. Yeah. Have you ever done any beta reading for any authors or anyone like like edit pre-editing for people? Um I have done so a couple other authors um in sort of like the UX publishing space I have done technical reviews for which was mm -hmm. like mostly about like 
you know, giving feedback on if it seems like they have a fully fleshed out idea or if they're missing something big. Um, so I've done stuff like that, um, and which is it's kind of a beta reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was wondering, does that help your feelings of of worthiness or, or imposter syndrome at all? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's sometimes it's just like you know somebody writes something and is like, gosh. I wish I thought of that <laughs> that for my book <laughs> for the thing that I'm doing, but oftentimes you know you're you're thinking about like like oh wow if I was writing about this I would have talked about this thing and this mm-hmm. thing and you know you bring it up and and I do think that helps um, it shows you that you're not the, <laughs> you're not the only one yeah um, I somebody who I really really admire in the my industry um, is writing a book and I I did a technical review and she was uh, just her tenses were like jumping all around right mm-hmm. like. She was using this and I was just like, you know what? That's a, that's a thing that I do if I'm not paying attention and something that I've always done since I was writing short stories as a high schooler. So I'm glad it's not not just me. Yeah. I, uh, that does help (laughs) for, I, I've beta read for a couple of, of, um, fiction authors, um, Mm. specifically romance. And I really, I, I, for the, the first person that I beta read for, I was like, oh, this is, this is such a, you know, rough draft. This is. It made me feel so much better. Um, but yeah. then I, I beta read for someone else and she writes the cleanest first draft I have <laughs> ever seen in my life. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just I just suck. I'm like, uh. like, it was the worst. <laughs> uh, but I still I, I continue to beta read for her because it's almost like getting to read the finished novel in advance. Yeah. Like I get to read it two two or three months in advance of it, it hitting Amazon. That's cool. But, but it's you, like, yeah. you know what? You know what's not good for uh, something that just rips your soul out when you're <laughs> when you're doing it is have you ever had any of your stuff like like sensitivity read or de- like DEI read? I no, not as of yet. Um, one of the yeah. books that I'm reworking was what I did a nano novel, um, and I'm reworking it, and it's going to have to be. I, I'm going to need it sensitivity read. Um, yeah, and that's going to be interesting. And I've sensitivity read for other people and be like lesbians that doesn't really that's not how it works um and had to be like really really gentle with that kind of feedback to people and be like you know i've also done some some sensitivity not really sensitivity but like like a a tech read over of someone who is writing a therapist and be like so depending on what state you're in you know and having like that kind of conversation and i'm sure that's not great (laughs) (laughs) i for for our book we we uh, hired a uh, like DI reader and yeah. it was it was great like it's such a be- much better book because of that but yeah. it was it's hard to sit there and and get feedback like about that like oh, I I sure. consider myself a pretty like empathetic person and and you know somebody is like oh hey like you're not considering this entire group of people when you're writing mm. about this I'm I'm just at first I'm like oh god and then I'm just like you're. <laughs> You know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and yeah. Change it. So, yeah, that was that was rough, but really, really good and necessary. Yeah, it's a, it's it, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but in my at my job, we have a DEIJ um, for any of the listeners who are wondering. It's diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Yes. Um, yeah. So we have a committee for that, and they meet once a month, and then we have little subcommittees, and it's been absolutely fascinating being part of that committee yeah. and being being part of a company culture that that is at the forefront of what we do yeah um 
but it's also really interesting because we're having people come in and teach us more. And it's, it's humbling. It's humbling to think like, I'm a therapist. I've done a lot of this work, but I got a lot more work to do on this. Um, yeah. because it's important. Um, yep. Anyway. That's so good. I love that your company is invested in that. Oh, so invested. So invested. Yeah. And it was like when we're looking for a new executive director right now. Um, and that was one of the things when we were all talking to the search committee is like, these are the things that are really important to us. It's like, I really invested in having like working in a workplace that continues to be really cool about the fact that I run a group for teens that are LGBTQIA. Like that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really important that we continue to talk about, about race and, and injustices that have happened. Um, but that's, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Um, (laughs) yeah, but it's so great to work in a place like that. Um, you know, and be part of, of, of that process too. Um, yeah, but anyway, Hmm. um, so here's here's a here's a f- sort of not quite final question, but I wanted to ask because this is something that has changed for me. When you bought your house versus living in a small Bay Area apartment, <laughs> do you think that has changed your relationship with your stuff? Do you think it's going to increase your collecting or decrease it? Good question. Uh, <laughs> it so I kind of progressively like I moved from a house in Indiana to a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco mm. down like to a two bedroom apartment in San Francisco now to a house and unfortunately I have started just ramping back up on buying books and stationery <laughs> I just just yesterday uh finished it putting like kind of a wall to wall bookshelf in my office and mm. I've been trying to display some books and get the things out there I put all my zine like the my zine collection up on display nice um and uh which by the way like at some point i want to <laughs> pick your brain about a good way to do this because uh right now it just looks like a big pile of papers sitting on my <laughs> bookshelf but um it it definitely has uh like i've i've been calling the collection and calling the collection and the hoard and i'm kind of noticing that i'm picking it back up again and i just need to <laughs> slow the <laughs> slow the heck down yeah but yeah I, I i i definitely now have way more way more room to like store this stuff yeah. So it's yeah. it's the opposite for me. Um so when we yeah. bought our house, we went so we had had an apartment with roommates. We always had roommates and we went from a 2000 or 2200 square foot apartment uh to yeah. Massachusetts has a lot of these like triple decker houses. And the top yeah. two floors are usually one apartment. And that's what we had. It was over 2,000 hmm. square feet. And we moved into a 1,200 square foot house. Yeah. <laughs> but with a gar- garage. So, you know, there's more storage, but just, you know, stuff that you don't want freezing in the winter comes into the house. But I had yeah. to really reduce the amount of stuff because all of a sudden my studio was like 100 square feet smaller. My office yeah. was, you know, it's 200 square feet smaller than the office that we had. We don't have a dining room like we did in the apartment. Mm. So I had to yeah. really decrease my, my collection and, oh, yeah. and hoarding of stuff. Um, and I try to keep it now to a couple of shelves, although we have put in a giant shelf in the, in the yeah. office. So, yeah. I, I will say that I'm, I'm having to uh, reckon with, a lot of the stuff that I have that and that I didn't have to before when I was like, you know, taking the stuff out and unpacking mm-hmm. them and figuring out where to put them. 
I just I I looked in, for example, at my very large uh, collection of Baron Fig confidants, mm-hmm. and you, you know, I <laughs> you sent me a three legged juggler, and I have I have <laughs> I have that. I have like two of the askew notebooks, and I yeah, I'm just looking at this right now, and I'm just like I <laughs> I don't know what to do with all this. So I I am reckoning with it in a way that I wasn't before, which I which is ultimately good and healthy. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about at the end here. Is there anything else that you want to add to this? Is there anything, are there any, any important spots that you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? That's a good, that's a good question. I, I mean, some of it is I, I've been trying to do this more and more and that's just like, you know what? I have a lot of, just like notes that I take throughout the day that is just like borderline incoherent, just like um, uh, a bunch of just like random words on a page. And I am trying to actively encourage myself to the, to do that more specifically so I can be less precious with it. Um, so yeah, if, if you're kind of struggling with like using the good stuff and getting into it, like um, just like take notes about a conversation that's going along. And even if it just don't, completely don't even worry about if it makes any sense or not just like get it written down and i think that helps a lot yeah yeah here's here's what i have on a page uh for this this recording in my in my steno book i have rsvp 216 <laughs> collector the good stuff work in progress uh jeanette winters <laughs> Winterson. <laughs> no actually it says winters and then i on my amazon i have pulled out winter sins so yeah that is that is the entirety of <laughs> of this page right now. Yeah, I've got a little 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 notebook uh, going along where I make little notes about where I've got to edit things. Um, yeah, I, I've got the, the curse. <laughs> Andy word says at, the s word. <laughs> Andy curse is at eleven minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, I just pulled my, a Johnny. My, my neighbors. Yeah, I didn't have to edit any curse words with Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> I was totally expecting it when he was he, yeah. not, not a single curse and you <laughs> with the curse. Word. <laughs> it was me. Um, and then I've got, you know, the times for the horns because my, my neighbors are my neighbors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then where you cut out for a minute. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. And, and that is in a notebook that was gifted to me, uh, yeah. by an intern, um, at oh, my nice. last job that I never used because, why would I? Um, so yeah. now it's it's great for little teeny tiny short little notes like like the like the notes for for a show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, my pleasure. I just um, so I I don't have anything written in the follow up section. I need to think of a good <laughs> blurb. Um, I all I, I want to thank all of the listeners. I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank the listeners for keeping up with RSVP. This was episode 100, and I I didn't plan anything. <laughs> uh, I didn't plan anything special for it. Uh, we'll have to wait for 150 or 125 to do something yeah. special. Um, to Meanwhile, Brad Dowdy's up to 500. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Just like you know, maybe someday I'll get there. Um, yeah. Well, I love, I mean, I love what, 
you know, RSVP over the years has just really like evolved and just like turned into into this. I think it's yeah, I think it's been so great along the way. So congratulations to you on 100 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah. and I think we'll we'll continue to evolve and change and grow. And I think that's what it's all about. You know, I, I've always said when it comes to anything that I do online, if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. Um, yeah. and so for me, the show is a lot of fun. I have a lot of, or had a lot of fun cause I'm not on Facebook. I'm, it's weird cause I'm still on Facebook, um, because I yeah. can't leave it entirely because family, um, yeah. although I keep individually blocking family members, um, <laughs> one by one, one by one, eventually my whole family's going to get blocked <laughs> except my nephew probably. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, like. I have the profile up. I'm very rarely on there. Um, you know, when I was on the RSVP group and the Erasable group, it was always a joy to engage with the listeners. And um, I know the group is still going on. I occasionally pop in to check on it. And, you know, I, yeah. I like that. I, I really like the fact that our listeners are so engaged and awesome. And I really appreciate all of that. And people who continue listening um, and people who are coming yeah. over from other shows, I appreciate that a lot, too. Um, and with that, Andy, where can the people find you? Yes. Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> you can find me if you're a member of the RSVP group or the Erasable group. I'll, I'll be hanging around there. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at AWelfly, A-W-E-L-F-L-E. And uh, you can find the Erasable podcast at erasable.us. Thank you. And you can find RSVP at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. You can find me, Les, at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Instagram and Twitter at original LC Harper. And I am on Kofi at uh, Harper. So, um, yeah. Good, good get on that. <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, early to join Kofi, so I yeah. I got the uh, the name I wanted. Um, yeah. So, yeah. You should have gotten. You should have registered uh, slash Anon, Kofi Anon. <laughs> oh man! Oh, <laughs> thanks for taking us out with that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Give me one second. I need to. My neighbor's getting picked up. So, <laughs> I asked your neighbors, the semi regulars of RSVP. They, they are. They're fr- fr- frequently edited out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I don't know which. I. Yep. You hear it? <laughs> yep. They're never on time. Never. Yep. Never timely. <laughs> Sometimes they get picked up at like five in the morning and the same freaking <laughs> honking. Oh. <laughs> Now they're from, now now whoever's picking them up is getting pissed. Just come out the house. <laughs> I don't know if it's the college kids or the the um, people across the street. Uh-huh. I don't think it's yeah. Work kids. in progress is a work in progress is a very good show. I have once you mentioned the lesbian part, I was like, oh, that show. <laughs> yeah, and it, it has this very funny part where um, Julia Sweeney is a semi regular, and th- she plays herself, and the whole thing is that. Uh, she really um, hurt this character's feelings with Pat, you know, the SNL character, Pat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there, she was talking about how, like, oh, growing up, like, you know, everybody made fun of me because they didn't know if I was a boy or a girl. And mm-hmm. Julia Sweeney, like, falls all over herself trying to, like, make amends <laughs> to, <laughs> to this character. It's, it's, it's really good. 